The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Of Proverbs, as we've been making our way the afternoon service through Proverbs. <clears throat> and we are in <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 26. We're looking at verses 13 through 28 this afternoon. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 26, we're starting in verse 13. Let's now give our attention as God speaks to us in His holy word. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Excuse me. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is quarrelsome, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels, they go down into the inner parts of the body, like the glaze covering an earthen vessel or or fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. This concludes the reading of God's Word. May He be pleased to add His blessing to it. Is there a certain person that you definitely would not want to be like? Maybe it's a parent or a certain boss who treated you poorly, He said, boy, when I become a parent or as a parent now or as a manager, I never want to be like that. Perhaps it's a pesky or nosy neighbor. Or it could be a sibling simply because you want to be your own person and you don't want to just imitate someone. Well, whatever the case may be, Proverbs is showing us someone we definitely do not want to be like. And that is the fool. Now, in our sinful flesh, we like the fool. We want to be like him. And this is why Proverbs has been showing us what a fool looks like so that we do not desire to be like him. And when we see foolishness in our lives, we quickly turn from it and seek to walk in wisdom. And so, for an outline today, 
three foolish people we should definitely not want to be like. That's our outline. The first is free rider. I was actually going to just say slugger or sluggard, but then the other two points, fighter and biter. It's like, well, I have to find a, something that rhymes with, with them. So I know it's still pretty pathetic. But the first one is free rider. The second is fighter. And the third, biter. So first, the free rider, the sluggard. Verse 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Now, this may sound familiar to you. This came up in Proverbs 22:13 already. Uh, what this proverb is saying is that the lazy person is filled with many excuses. And these excuses are quite exaggerated and pathetic. While it's not beyond the realm of possibility that a lion might be roaming in the street, lions back then typically stayed in the wilderness. It's kind of like the grizzlies in our area typically going to be in the wilderness. Is it possible that a grizzly might wander into one of our streets? Yeah, but that's very unlikely. I, I did hear that uh, there's grizzly tracks around the Dairy Queen or something in Cody. I'm not sure if that's true. It makes sense. If I was a grizzly, I'd be going for those uh, Oreo blizzards. But it's possible that that could happen. But is that a legitimate excuse to say, well, I'm not going to get a job because there might be a grizzly roaming in the streets. No, obviously not. But the sluggard will find any excuse he can, even if it is a ridiculous one. When it comes to the saying, where there's a will, there's a way. For the lazy person, the will that makes a way is making excuses. And his will may move him, but not very, not very far. Look at verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. So a sluggard moves, but just back and forth like a door on hinges. What this is saying is he moves, but doesn't make progress. He's not very productive. So much so that he barely moves to provide for his own necessities. Verse 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Again, this is another repeated proverb. God wants us to draw our, our attention to this. Ease and comfort is so much the sluggard's idol that he, when he finally gets out of bed and needs to meet his own necessities like eating, to scoop food in his mouth is a worrisome task. And this is obviously a bit of hyperbole, but it's conveying that the sluggard would prefer to have everything handed to him, to be spoon-fed even, than to work for it. <clears throat> and he's quite stubborn in his ways. Verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And we already saw from verse 12 that the worst falling is to be wise in your own eyes. It's to think that the way you think about and evaluate things is just right. And this describes a lazy person. He is more wise than seven men who can answer sensibly, that is, intelligently. As you know, the number seven in Scripture is symbolic of something that's perfect or complete. And so seven men refers to this perfect counsel, the best advisors. And teachers. And these men do answer sensibly or intelligently. That is, their answer, their counsel is good counsel. 
What this is saying is that this is the best counsel that you can get. And yet, for the lazy person, that doesn't matter. He is still wiser in his own eyes than they. What has the greatest weight is the way he already thinks about things. What the best men have to say does not carry weight. That is, any more weight than his own thoughts about things. And I don't think this is merely referring to a physical laziness. Uh, that is where the slugger does not change his mind about physical labor. This is referring to mental laziness. It requires mental work to grow and to learn and to mature. Someone may be a really hard laborer, but unwilling to do the hard work when it comes to learning and growing. You see, this proverb is saying that laziness is not merely confined to the physical realm of work. It also pertains to mental realm of thinking. This one doesn't think he needs to learn anything, so he doesn't put the effort into it, even with the best counselors or teachers. And this is one of the reasons why has a very particular application for us. This is one of the reasons why I really press our need to read the Bible and understand the Bible with the church, with the church historically. You know, when I say church history, it can sound like, well, that's just a class that someone takes at seminary. No big deal. That's not the Bible. Well, the only problem with that is that these are not just abstract principles. These are people whom Christ has used in His church. And the Bible actually says we need to utilize them. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that Christians come to the unity of the faith, that is Christian doctrine, and mature manhood through the teachers that Christ has given to His one universal church. There in Ephesians 4 where Paul's saying this is how we grow. He says that in the context there's one body. And to this one body, he's given apostles and prophets, which is not just given to a local church, they're given to the one church. And with that, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, of course, there's elders given to a particular church, but we and I need even teachers outside this church in order to grow in comprehending that faith. And if there was ever a council of seven men who can answer sensibly, best instruction. Is it not the gifts whom Christ has given to his body? All the philosophers of the world cannot compare to what Christ has endowed a certain people with by his spirit, with illumined reasoning, specifically gifted by Christ to understand and teach the faith. So on what basis then would we disregard these Gifts. In fact, if we do disregard them, we do not obtain the unity of the faith. We might have unity on something, but we have to set aside the faith to have that. We do not have unity of the faith and mature manhood apart from the universal church. And I think one of the mistakes we make is believing that all Christian truth is equally basic 
and easy to understand. As if it's just a matter of opening up your Bible, plainly reading it, and voila. And that's true for some Christian doctrines. You could read 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, this is the gospel, which is of first importance, that Christ died uh, in accordance with the scriptures. But not all doctrine is alike. Coming to deeply and accurately understand Christian truth has never come easy for anyone. Uh, consider the doctrine of the Trinity. That didn't just, voila, pop up out of thin air. You know, the church had to wrestle through that for hundreds of years, and they had to all do it together in order to wrestle through these issues. And uh, the same is true of the two natures of Christ. How is Christ both true God and true man? And they had to wrestle through it. Our, our faith is deep. The mysteries of the faith are deep. And we can understand basics, but if in order to press on to a mature manhood, to go deeper, to go from milk to meat, as Hebrews 6 says, we need the universal church. We need these gifts. And we don't want to be the one who is the mental sluggard, who, who is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly than the best counsel. And so as we grow together, and one of the challenges we face is that, that we have some barriers to overcome in our day. And so as we grow together, let us be humble. Let us put in the hard mental work to seek to understand as we learn together. Let us not be wiser in our own eyes and dismiss something on the basis of our own understanding. Let us be more critical of our own ability to reason than others, especially when it is seven men who can answer sensibly. A second person we should definitely not want to be like is the fighter. Look at verse 17. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. If fighters are not fighting, they're going to find a fight. If they're not fighting over something or against something, they feel like they are not living their purpose in life. They see themselves as the great corrector of all, needing to be the one who fixes everything, focused on things outside from responsibility. Uh, they think that they're being noble and doing what's right, thinking that really important and needing to get involved. They should have left it alone, but they couldn't resist. If they don't step in, it will never be right. Sometimes they just like drama because it distracts from their own hardships. But this is like seeing a passing dog. So a passing dog is not your own pet at home. It's a strange dog saying, oh, look at that passing dog. Let's pull it by the ears. What do you think is going to happen? It's likely going to attack. I actually remember a time, this is still when I was working as a, a 911 dispatcher back in Omaha. It's like 15 years ago. So I'm arriving at work for my uh, overnight shift, and I get a frantic call on my cell phone. For some reason, people think that you can just like dispatch the police from your living room or something, so they call you on your phone when they have issues. So... Uh, I, I pull up and I get a frantic call from a good friend of mine's wife 
saying that they're at a restaurant and there's a group of men surrounding him and are threatening to beat him up. And so, of course, I run in and try to talk to the dispatcher that's working that area. Of course, he has, you know, calls this long on his screen holding. So, and thankfully, my friend did not uh, get beat up uh, just by the providence of God. But I wondered, my friend is, he's not an aggressive guy. He, he's not a hes not a fighter. Uh, he's actually kind of quiet. So, what happened? So later on, I ask him what happened. He goes, well, there's this group of men yelling at each other. And, you know, I thought I would try to calm it down. So I stepped in and <laughs> intervened. And thankfully, uh, he did not uh, get beat up. It was a quarrel, not his own. Did not belong to him. And he sort of just left it alone. And he admitted, he goes, yeah, evidently I just pulled some dog's ears. Verses 18 through 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Now, sometimes you'll see this verse quoted on April Fool's Day as a way to rebuke those who make April Fool's joke, like uh, somebody on Facebook posts that they're pregnant when they're not. And there might be some application of that verse to things like that, but that's not the heart or aim of this verse. What this verse is talking about is someone who wants to actually deceive his neighbor, do something evil, and then gets caught for it. So this would be something like back in that day, uh, they had landmarks, big stones, and somebody's pushing uh, the stone away to to increase his own property and then gets caught and goes, oh, I was just playing a joke on you. I was going to move it back. Or maybe in our day, uh, we, we, we don't get our own paper or something like that. And we see our neighbor has a paper, so we kind of go sneak over there and want to grab the neighbor's paper and start walking away. And then the neighbor goes, hey, I caught you. What are you doing? And we say, oh, I'm just playing a, a joke on you. That right there actually makes it worse, according to our verse. First off, we shouldn't be sinning against our neighbor like that to begin with. But secondly, our response is to lie and cover it up rather than just telling the truth. And we're going to see a series of verses here about those who are using lies to cover uh, the truth. And what the Scripture is saying here is that just makes things worse. Rather, you should just confess or sin. Yeah, this is what I did. And so this even applies to you kids in here. Kids, you do something wrong, you get caught. It's best just to tell the truth. Yes, I sinned and did this. It will go much better for you. Don't Think about sinning to begin with, but when that flesh rises up and you find yourself caught in a sin, just tell the truth and it will go better for you. Verses 20 through 21. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. So without something for the fire to feed on, which is usually wood or charcoal, the fire goes out. Well, if you want a quarrel to cease, you're afraid there might be a quarrel and lack of peace, then deal with the quarrelsome man. Deal with the fighter. He is the wood that the strife feeds off of, verse 21 says. But what exactly is he doing to fuel this flame? 
Well, this brings us to the third person we definitely do not want to be like. So we saw first free rider, a second fighter, now third biter. And this is kind of an overlap. I look at verse 20, going back to verse 20. <clears throat> For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. So according to verse 20, the quarrelsome man produces conflicts, and you can say even women, produces conflicts and divisions by words. So much so, you want a quarrel to cease? Deal with that. Now, whisperer is better translated as slanderer. That is speaking evil of others. And it could be uh, behind somebody's back. It usually is, hence the term whisperer. But the fuel that fans the flame of conflict is speaking evil of others. Speaking against their character rather than seeking to defend their good name. Finding faults and focusing in and talking about that. This flows out of a heart that does not believe all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It assumes and fears the worst. And if he or she can condemn others and, and make the one that maybe is making them feel bad about themselves look bad, then they can justify themselves and vindicate themselves. So if there is conflict, if you want to avoid conflict, then deal with the source of which it be off of which it feeds. Speaking and thinking evil rather than charitably about one another. But this can be easier said than done. Look at verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. What also keeps feeding this fire is the person who continues to receive a bad report. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. Hearing these words. Uh, why would someone want to receive a bad report? Well, besides our tendency to be afraid to speak the truth in love and give a gentle rebuke, uh, these words of a slanderer are like delicious morsels, like candy, because our flesh likes bearing dirt on people. If I can hear that others are evil and others are bad, it makes me feel better about myself and look better. I'm not so bad after all. It's much easier to focus on the sin of others than it is our own sin. And then we have those who don't actually deal with the conflict or put uh, to death the bitterness and sin in their own heart, but rather cover it up with words. Look at verse 23. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel or fervent lips with an evil heart. <clears throat> the word glaze here is literally silver of dross. And what this is referring to is cheap silver. Cheap silver that is made to look like the real thing that is glazed on an earthen vessel. <clears throat> it's cheap imitation. It looks like a nice silver pot, but it is merely just a cheap imitation. And this is the way it is with fervent lips, uh, given the context referring to those who speak or flatter others. They have an evil heart but they speak flattery instead. Verses 24 through 25. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not. 
For there are seven abominations in his heart. So what this is saying is that people who hate, cover it up. People who have a murderous and bitter heart towards others, disguise it and cover it up with their lips. They do so by speaking kindly and graciously, but it is just cheap imitation like fake silver sprayed on a pot. Their hearts don't actually reflect their words. Therefore, their words are merely deceit. Their words cover up their hatred and bitterness. The way the Scripture puts it, there are seven abominations in their heart. Again, used symbolically for complete abominations, full of abominations, every evil. Is in their heart. And covering it up with kind words simply adds lying, the sin of lying, to bitterness. They really don't want to do you well. Rather, they want to use you. They want to use you for praise and affirmation to justify themselves. But the minute you offend them, they withdraw. The relationship is based on a complete covenant of works. You have to earn or merit it. You have, to, you have to treat them well so that they will treat you well. You have to bless them in order for them to bless you. When you stop doing that, they remove, they remove their blessing. However, rather than this bitterness being repented of and put to death, it's merely covered over. But it won't be covered over for long. Verses 26-27. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. <clears throat> Eventually, this deception and wickedness will be exposed. God will bring it to light. Now, for believers, it could be via church discipline as that bitterness continues to spring up other sins and defiles many. or uh, for those who are unbelievers, it will be revealed on the day of judgment. They were unable to forgive from the heart because they had not known the forgiveness that Christ has showed them. And so, in this sense, this person will be paid back. The stone of hatred and bitterness will roll back on them. But the person may say, well, wait a minute, I talked to others kindly. I didn't tell them what I really wanted to say. Verse 28, a lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So even though he or she did not physically or verbally attack them, still hated this person while flattering this person to their face, which just brings about further ruin because it's only lies and not speaking the truth in love. So we need to be careful what we do with our tongues. More specifically, how we think and how we, what we believe in our hearts about others, not harboring any bitterness. But all of this is ultimately dealt with by the power of the Gospel. What changes a heart, beloved, that makes it truly gracious towards others seeking their best interest, wanting to protect their good name, and genuinely, continually loving them even when they offend us rather than being bitter and covering it up, is when we grasp the love of Christ 
for us. Even now, as we consider these things, we know that we failed in this area and that we will continue to struggle. But for us who believe, even in our failures and struggles, there is no condemnation for us. And that is because Christ, who has a loving and gracious heart towards us, has given Himself up for us. For all these sins that we commit of the heart, of deceit and covering up, that we may live. He took our place in being condemned on the cross so that we would be forgiven of all our bitter hatred, secret evil thoughts, and deceitful slanderous speech. He was exposed in our place in the assembly. The stone of our evil that we started to roll, rolled over Him. The pit that we had dug, He went into. But He came out of that pit when He rose again from the grave, giving victory over sin, death, and the devil for us who believe. And so, as those who have been so loved, as those who have been truly forgiven, may we be those who have a truly gracious heart towards others. And by the grace of God, may we put off the foolishness of free riding, fighting, and biting, and seek to be diligent with both our hands and our minds. May we not be fighters, but may we seek to be peacemakers. For these are the sons of God. And using our lips rightly from a renewed and gracious heart. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, we confess to you that we have misused our lips, that we have harbored bitterness in our heart, that we have acted wickedly and in evil. And we ask that you would forgive us for these things. We confess them to you, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of these things and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, knowing that we do not stand condemned, we who have truly trusted in Christ. And we ask, God, that you would help us. You would help us to walk wisely and not be the one that merely uh, praises you with the lips while our hearts are far from you. We ask that you would give us the grace we need that we have in Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com. Dot com.